Hey, Kayla. How's it going? Hi, Audrey. It's going. Um, it's always going, right? I leave to go out of the... conditioning broken still? It still is, yes. It should... I got a date that it will be fixed, but since I'm going to be out of the country for a week, um, I get to come home to air conditioning. That's the best present of all. Going into August in Florida, yes, yes. Wonderful. Florida. Well, this is, yes. we're not here to talk about air conditioning. This is Mordor, she wrote. You podcast. brought it up. Yeah, well, I, it's called a cold open, Kayla. I know, okay. Be uh, a this, professional. This is a podcast where I've never read The Lord of the Rings, but Audrey has some, would say, far too many times in her life. I am not some, but they're out <laughs> I, there, I imagine. I appreciate that. I'm Audrey. And I'm Kayla, as we've probably established at this point. And we have and a I guest have... with us today. Oh, yeah. Yes, hi. My name is Aaron, and I am uh, joining Kayla and Audrey today. A- Aaron, how Aaron, how do you know your, your, um, your co-host my fellow, today? My fellow co-host. Well, it's <laughs> funny. Um, I go way back with both these co-hosts. Uh, both are very great friends of mine. One of them happens to be my wife. I was about to say, I hope one so. of them's a real good friend of yours. <laughs> yes. Yes, but no, we, we go way it. back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I, I've never met these women before <laughs> in my life. I don't know who they are. Yeah, um, we all no. went to college together some twelve-ish years ago, uh, but but that feels like way too long. But uh, I, don't say that. I remember a rogue. <laughs> I remember a rogue lady asking me for a rogue gentleman's Tumblr handle. It's, if yeah. I remember wow. where this story starts, <laughs> that's very Some long deep, ago. Yes. Deep investigation. Super, super deep cuts. February so, uh, of 2014, 2013, to be exact. So, uh, sorry. So, Aaron, how do you? How familiar are you with Lord of the Rings? Well, um, I would say that most of my expertise. Uh, spans from the fact that I married an expert. So uh, for context, if it hasn't been brought up before on this show, Audrey and I took our honeymoon in New Zealand where we visited both Way to Workshop and some of the filming locations uh, of Lord of the Rings. So uh, prior to that, I'll be honest, casual fan, I never read the books. I watched the movies, really enjoyed them. Uh, Since then, I think I have learned a lot through osmosis. Um, but when it comes to, you know, the nitty gritty details, I would say I'm just kind of a casual enjoyer. Uh, I did, of course, read, uh, the chapter that we'll be talking about today, but if you ask me deep trivia, I'm probably somewhere right here in the middle between Kayla's expertise and Audrey's. Fair enough. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you joined us for, uh, probably the shortest chapter of this book so far. Yeah, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) We, um... You're welcome for that. You're welcome for that. That was my recommendation. Uh, Thanks for looking out. We only had, I mean, it was like, what, 10, 11 pages in this chapter-ish, depending on how large your book is, but uh, way shorter than the last two chapters we've looked at. It took 30 minutes to listen to, I could tell you that much. Yeah, pretty short. So um, we left the Fellowship of the Ring, the titular fellowship, in Moria, having found Balin's grave... And Gimli was pretty upset about that. And uh, that's that's where we pick up with chapter five in book two of Fellowship of the Ring, which I can't math enough to tell you which chapter that is actually overall. Is it 16? 17. 17. Oh, I was 17. close. Uh, but it's called the, 12. Bridge of, the Bridge of Casa Doom. So 
we are still in the mines of Moria. The Fellowship is trying to get under the mountain since they couldn't go over the mountain because Karadras defeated them. So, Caleb, that damn mountain. Do you have um? Do you have any predictions that you wrote down this time? Yeah, but I usually save them until the end of the chapter. Wow, I? I forgot my own format of my podcast, you know? That's embarrassing. But I can cut that it out. It happens. No, you don't. You never cut it out. We we always say we'll cut stuff out, and then you never cut I it I do out. not. <laughs> <laughs> you got to commit to the bit at this point. Yes, I do have predictions. Okay, well, we'll save them for the end, because you're yes. right. That's usually when I ask you. Oh, I do have an update. Um, It's been zero chapters since the mention of a pony. And zero chap and one chapter since there's been a song. There was no song in this chapter. It's there true. was no song in this song chapter. Free. Aaron, it's a real treat for you because usually there's at least one. Often there's two. <laughs> I love the pony countdown. I I wasn't aware that that That's, was something. That one's new. That that is today years old. I'm glad to be here for ringing in that metric. That's a lot of fun. Well, Kayla was pretty distressed in the last chapter. Uh, not the last chapter, but in one of the last couple chapters we read, The Council of Elrond, uh, because there was no mention of ponies, despite Gandalf being a huge horse girl when he was talking about uh, Shadowfax and stuff, there was no mention of the Hobbit's ponies. So we just have to assume that they were happy and healthy in Rivendell. And now Bill is alone in the wilderness because they had to turn him loose. So Bill no is a pony. pony. Yeah, no more pony. Bill mentions. is a pony. Okay, that makes sense. Sam's pony, specifically, yeah. So Sam uh, is also a horse girl. Sam is a gardener, <laughs> which is just like a nature boy kind of thing, per David Bowie. Mm-mm, he's weirdly attached to that pony. Not in a weird way, but like... Uh, w- would you say that more he is normal? more attached to the pony than Frodo? No. Okay. Mm, he's I mean, a Frodo I girl. No to that. <laughs> That's actually very funny. <laughs> Aren't we all, though? Uh, let's see. Okay, so we pick up exactly where we left off. You guys interrupt me if you uh, have stuff you want to call out, something that struck you funny, etc., uh, etc. Et Kayla, you know how this goes. I'm mostly just saying this for the benefit of Oh, okay. Aaron, I was like, you I thought it. that was how we ha- always do this. I'm confused. <laughs> have I not been uh, doing things right? No, you've been doing it great. They uh, they start looking around the room that they're in to see how Balin died, how he ended up uh, dead here in Moria. And so there's kind of a long description of the room, and some ominous stuff is mentioned. There's orc scimitars, there's blackened ba- blades, there's plundered chests of um, I'm, made of I'm wood. jumping in right here. Did I thought they didn't notice all of this stuff until they find the book and they read what the book has to say. No, no, there's actually two whole paragraphs of description about the state of the tomb. And in the second one, uh, Gandalf picks up this book with like the crackly pages that is really hard to read. Yes, that makes more sense. I will say there's an entire page, at least in like the, the edition of the book that I'm reading. There's an entire page that is just Gandalf going back and forth between reading in italics what the what the text is. And then saying, oh, I don't know what this says, man. Like, back and forth and back and forth. You know? Been- he went alone to look in mirror, mirror, and Orc shot him from behind. Uh, the remainder of the page is so blurred that I can hardly make anything out. But I think we, it's we have barred the gates, and then maybe can hold them long. Like, it just goes back and forth for like a whole page. You do really get a sense of how much is yeah. obscured based on uh, 
exactly how Gandalf is reading it. He's he's getting like phrases, occasionally a full sentence. I feel like what Tolkien really did well here was as a reader, uh, as a casual reader, I will say, is he very effectively uh, he very effectively captured the feeling that you get when you're waiting for an old person to get to the point. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, like you're just like okay, Gandalf, like. I get it. It's some blurriness. Like, what what happened? And so, you know, hats off to him for really uh, really capturing that vibe. I will also say I listened to this chapter in the car while I was driving. I did not have my book in front of me, so I did not have the face-to-page experience. But it was a different experience listening to that section because I didn't have to, like, look at the – like, it was more <laughs> – it was easier to listen to him go, like, okay, I un- – I understand. Okay, uh, don't know what it says right there. And then a couple more lines down, it says blah blah blah. Like, I feel like <laughs> listening to it maybe made that a little less. Um, that's fair. Come on, yeah, grandpa. You know, that's fair. I feel like yeah, you don't. <laughs> maybe it's just the it's the old grandpa voice in my head, and so that's what drove me nuts. It's like I just pictured like the yeah. most annoying. Like, oh, let me take my time. Oh, I don't get it. And let me go back into it. Oh, hold on. It's kind of kind of smudged. I do so have a bit on you. I do think that that helps draw out the suspense, especially because it starts out being like, mm-hmm. yeah, we arrived and it's great. And here's these places and we got rid of the orcs. And and then as it goes on, Gandalf's like, hmm, these look like they were hastily written. Hmm. I think that word says sorrow. Uh, I think that word says horrible. Uh oops and like then you get to the end and it's like wow the writing is really ominous it's uh drums drums in the deep they are coming and it's like oh shit i have a bone to pick with gandalf well not specifically gandalf but we're not there yet so no just just tell me what the bone is no it has we to don't do with go this... in linear order hardly ever you know this <laughs> okay so specifically my bone is with fran walsh Philippa Boyens and Peter Jackson okay. themselves, the screenwriters of the Fellowship of the oh, Ring. Oh, changing his line oh in the scene. This is like one of the only scenes you knew, huh? <laughs> yes. Oh yes. So, in case yes. you're wondering, in the in the movies, uh, Gandalf says, "You cannot you, pass. You shall not, not pass." In the movies, but in the book, it is, "You cannot pass." It's so passive in the book. It's just like I was. I was very excited for this one meme. Well, the thing also the, he says it like three times too. Like to me, in, that in the felt film. like the the chanting of like a spell or like a prayer. Actually, like he was wishing you know, it would be true. You know, you know, you know. I'm not mad at the screenwriters of the movie. I'm mad at Tolkien for writing that in a passive voice to begin with. <laughs> That's who I'm angry at. That's so valid, though. <laughs> I mean, that probably wasn't a big concern in, in the mid-20th century when he was writing this, but, you know. Well, I think that it, it makes it makes a change to Gandalf's character a little bit, and there is some change in him between the book and the movie that I'm sure we'll talk about when we watch the movies eventually, Kayla. But, um, Four years the, from now. The phrasing of it, you know, you shall not pass is definitely very much more, like, adversarial, like... Um, like fighting and then and you cannot pass is like him just it's a truth you cannot pass you know like he's that assured kind of thing yes I feel like this is the equivalent of the whole uh, 
Goblet of Fire Dumbledore yelling discourse, which is like there's a very silent intensity uh, in the line as written, but it's very different with the film adaptation. And honestly, as you know, as a film student, I have to say there's good reasoning for making the differentiation for screen. Oh, certainly. And I mean, it's different mediums. You, we talk about it all right. the time. It's different mediums. Like, uh, you made it up. You made a great point about how Gandalf did a really good job drawing suspense up up to this point, right? Running through, running across that list, the stone, the the bright stone surfaces, you know, reflective and smooth, mastercraft, right? And then when they get to that little bridge, and uh, he, you know, makes his stand. Like I think you had all that time to really understand how grand of a situation this is well, uh, and, know, with the army yeah. of orcs behind. And I, in the film, that really wasn't something they could do. Yeah. I'm I also... Oh, sorry. Continue. Kayla, you go. No, I was going to circle back around to the Dumbledore comment, and I think that's got a lot to do with the casting choice of the second Dumbledore instead of so much the, the writing. Be- ah, fair. Because if Richard Harris had lived to play that scene in that movie, I'm... I, I like I've I've put a lot of thought into this. Harry, that's actually a, that's Harry, a really good point. Harry Potter is my area of obsessive reading behavior. Where Audrey's is Lord of the Rings. I 100% stand by the fact that Richard Harris, had he played, continued to play that part that far, that is how that scene would have played. I'm so glad that I phrased it how I did because I was yeah. totally baiting you with bringing uh, up well, no, it, Harry Potter. I knew you'd have an Michael- opinion. <laughs> Michael Gambon, I think they played it how like that's just how his actor and I feel like if any other person had played like if Richard Harris had played Gandalf like many people mm-hmm. think he has, um, <laughs> that is how that li- it it would have played more to the book rather than what looked good or sounded good for absolutely fair a film adaptation. Yes, we'll talk more about the film when you've watched it in its entirety instead of a meme in isolation, Kayla. I've but seen. I remember that scene though. I told you we talked about this two episodes ago. I'm I know. Like, I know that scene. <laughs> but that before one we clip get to, to Gandalf's big showdown on the bridge, they do get um, attacked by orcs in the tomb, and a There's, cave troll. Yeah, and a cave troll. It's true. And what is it called? A Balrog? Um, the Balrog is not so later. And that is also something that this chapter draws the suspense out for is, is over pages and pages. Gandalf being like, well, I'm not sure what that is. And up to this point, he's been pretty self-assured and very much their guide. But uh, he doesn't yes. know what the Balrog is. And then when it shows up, he's like, oh, shit. You so know? I was confused. Is the thing in the hole in that one, like, this is very descriptive. A couple of chapters ago when they were camping out on the edge of that giant hole in the ground that Pippin decided to throw a rock in. Uh, so that is was it just... the cave troll or is that the Balrog? Neither. Is that orcs? What the hell's down there? It's just the drums. <laughs> they, they start hearing the drums, which are like oh. a, a through line in this chapter. The doom doom um, of the drums. That's when he throws that down which was actually, I'm pretty sure, only last chapter. Maybe the chapter before. Um, it was the last that's, chapter. That's when the drumming starts. They haven't and been in the cave that long. It feels like we've been in this cave a long time. It does. Um, but, but that's when the drumming starts, and then the drumming really picks up the pace in this chapter. Like, it's mentioned a lot. And it is phrased as doom, doom, um, always in twos. But they, they're, like, fighting these orcs, and there's... 
Um, a lot of, there's some, okay, this is, I love Tolkien. <laughs> However, he does some stuff in describing different races of Middle Earth that is questionable to, to me and to, I think, a lot of people who read it uh, in terms of racial stereotypes in the real world. And there's some of that in this chapter when he's describing the orcs. So I'm not going to go into it, but I am just going to say, like, I'm aware of the issues there. It is something that uh, if you spend any amount of time reading Tolkien, you're going to notice those parallels. So, yeah. <laughs> Interestingly enough, that was a thought that I had in the next chapter. Yep. Yep. He's got some, he's got some racially motivated stuff happening here. And in many ways, it's a product of the time, but also it informed a lot of attitudes in fantasy writing, media, movies, games, everything, uh, because he was kind of the pioneer of the genre. So yes. And I'm not being an apologist. I'm not being an apologist for this behavior. But he probably also didn't know how weirdly obsessed people were going to be with this story. Oh, yeah. He certainly did not know the impact that it was going to have. Yeah. Hey, leave me alone. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I love you. I love you. I love Um, you more. Yeah. So the one thing that I did really like in terms of describing the enemies in this kind of fight scene uh, is when he describes the cave troll. He says, a huge arm and shoulder because they've kind of blocked the door so he's like wedging his way through with a dark skin of greenish scales was thrust Mm. through the widening gap like it it sounds reptilian which is kind of gross and i love that that was something that stuck with me too is that i uh you know i i of course don't want to give too much away of you know peter jackson's adaptations for screen but it's not green but when you think of yeah, that's not that's not it. When you think of green orcs, it's I think of like Clash of Clans. Like I don't think of Tolkien. Yeah, and then he also says a great flat toeless foot was forced through below. Toeless. How does, his, okay. how does he move that... if he does not have toes? Who knows? It's like an elephant's foot. I mean, elephants have toes. Yeah, but at least at least elephants have toes. That's the thing, right? I've never thought that hard about an elephant's foot before. I don't wow. think I ever will again. The only elephant's foot I've thought that hard about is the one in Chernobyl, so. Oh, my gosh. That's a toeless foot. <laughs> I've never in case seen that movie. I don't plan on it. Chernobyl's not, I don't think it's a movie. I think it's a miniseries. I didn't see it, but Chernobyl's like the. No, there was a horror movie about Chernobyl that came out. Pro- I want to say we That's were That's totally fair. The elephant's foot's like the big ooze of radioactive shit metal that shit okay yes yeah i know that one yeah yeah yeah, that that one so yes but you know it's funny you bring up the toeless foot because right after that description uh came like the first like oh yeah moments that i got while reading this which was when uh boromir goes up and base in my notes i said boromir rolls a two uh (laughs) as his sword basically bounces off and flies out of his hand and then you know a fire uh, Frodo feels this fire burning in him and goes up and just stabs the shit out of this big ass toeless foot. Just right in the and right in the toes. Just right in the toes. Well, right the no, the, the no toes. Well, yeah, the lack of lack. There's no yeah. There's the lack of toes, but it still hurts a lot, I imagine. And you know, nearly loses his sword in the process. And then later on, Aragorn being like, "Damn, son, 
You got some fight in you. So that in part is because Tolkien wants wants to show you like these creatures aren't going to be killed by regular weapons. Like you can you can assume that while Boromir's sword must have been a good sword, it's a mundane sword made by a human blacksmith whereas Frodo is carrying Sting, which is an elvish sword or elvish dagger oh, right. rather. Yes. And the description of his sword being notched after the hit too. So like yeah. not only did it not pierce like but it straight up was damaged. Like, that's wild. I will say, um, Aragorn actually starts keeping score here. He's like one for the Shire. The Hobbit's yes. bite is deep. You have a good blade. Frodo, son of Drogo. How does Aragorn know who Frodo's dad is? I didn't realize they knew each other that closely. So he was a ranger and in the Shire area. Oh, and well, in yeah. general, Well, I, I forget that that. In general, you're given to assume that because he's so, like, bosom buddy with Gandalf, uh, that he, in general, knows about Bilbo and Frodo uh, and, and Hobbits. So. Yeah, that makes um, sense. Yeah, but they end up kind of, like, they, they have the fight. Um, everybody does pretty well. Sam comes away uh, with an injury um, to his scalp, a cut on his scalp. And then Frodo, a big orc chieftain, comes in. We get some more gross description. Um, and then Frodo gets speared. And Aragorn basically picks him up not knowing whether or not he's dead or alive. And they all run. Yeah. But and it all happens so fast. Yeah, that's a single paragraph where Frodo gets injured and they run. This is the longest section of action in the whole book so far, though. Like, It's true. It's, it's never been this back-to-back-to-back before. That's that's fair. I feel lucky to be uh, asked to be here for this very exciting and very like it's, iconic it's point. It's definitely like, felt more know. forced march prior to this. <laughs> we don't... Yes, we don't have a nice romp through the woods and talk about the trees, but we definitely, I, I feel it coming in the next chapter. There's your mini prediction for there this chapter, <laughs> Audrey. There's at Got least one a chapter. Uh, like, yeah. They keep running. Everybody's kind of like, wow, I can't believe Frodo's alive. How did it happen? And Gandalf's like, we can, we don't have time to talk about that. Like, get over your shit. Hobbits are made of tough stuff. Didn't I tell you? We got to keep going. He's like, you gotta get the fuck out of here. I have a line in my notes here that says that a, a common three, like I have like a common theme section, and another one I wrote down is just Gandalf said. Gandalf says, "Do as I say, because I'm a goddamn wizard." <laughs> he does. <laughs> you know, he does get out that. of this room. I'll take care of the door because I'm a goddamn he, wizard. He, we gotta go. <laughs> he gets so angry with them all the time. For just, like, with fair reason, I feel like I'd be over their shit, too, if I was Gandalf. I'm like, I'm tired of this, Grandpa! Just imagine imagine a Grandpa (laughs) with, like, eight children on toddler leashes. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's the company of the ring. That's about right. They all have on, like, the brightly colored vest and, like, the primary colored rope with the little rings on it. Yes. Yeah. Not the Fellowship of the Rings you were expecting, but yeah, Gandalf actually says a lot of really relatable things. Like during that, like we got to get up and go. There's one point where he basically says, "Like I don't care if every orc that was ever spawned is right behind us. I gotta sit the fuck down." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he so he blocks the door, and Gimli's like, "Hey, did you figure out where those drums are coming from?" And he's like, "I don't know. I've never seen this thing before. Like I I put a spell to shut the door, but." that like in such a short time i don't know if it's gonna hold kind of thing 
so so Gandalf being faced with something he's never seen is pretty pretty fucking scary to be honest considering that he's the oldest and most knowledgeable of the fellowship yep um because we can't make it a chapter without talking about Aragon oh god oh my god <laughs> <laughs> nope never mind I remembered the word for fire that they use in Aragon what is it Brissinger Oh yeah, like the which is title. the name of one of yeah. the books. Yeah, uh, I, I, I assume you bring that up because hold on, hold on, uh, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. I want to say that they have a different word for fire besides that one. Like, like there's the act of setting something on fire, which would be Rissinger. But then I, I want to say that the word what is it? Where right here, Gosh. Gash, gosh, it's G H A S H with like a little little accent mark somewhere in there. Yeah, the, it's over the A, and it's like the one that looks like a little top hat. I it's always the forget carrot. which. Yeah, I always forget which sound that one. I think it's the short A sound. Um, I think so, I I feel like Paulini borrowed this one as well. Let's say borrowed in a very liberal use Wing. of the word. <laughs> you know, you know, uh. Yeah, so Gandalf's like, oh, God, this is something new. This is terrible. Uh, they, like, look, there's this bridge. We got to get across it, and then we'll be out by the lake, the mirror, mirror. And if it's daylight, the orcs won't follow us. Like, we got to run. We got to run. So this bridge is, um, I, I love this, like, bit, uh, this little tidbit about the construction of the bridge. So it's, it's only wide enough that you have to travel across it single file. And that was a specific thing that dwarves did so that they couldn't be pursued. If they, like, it was an escape measure, your enemies have to come at you single file. That's I did think that was kind of interesting. Like, it was a, it's a specific defense mechanism over a chasm that they can't see the bottom of. Yeah. Which is horrifying if you think about this entire situation it, that they're in. Also, we just completely skipped over the fact that they ran downstairs pitch black for an hour that might be the scariest thing to describe in this book the passage of time is a little wobbly in this chapter for me it feels like it's happening so fast but then you're right like it, it really does like after they escape the orcs they run for an hour yeah and it's just it, it literally it's like two sentences it just says they run in the dark after an hour they've traveled about a mile in the dark it's so dark that, that like you don't know that you hit stairs until it disappears. The earth disappears. How from slow are they feet. running? If it takes them an hour to run a mile, well, if it's I mean, dark, I'm then not... I think that run is probably a figure of speech. No, oh, I was about to say. I mean, I'm not a fast runner, but my mile times between like fourteen four. and seventeen minutes. Like <laughs> probably well, twelve. Four hobbits and a, four hobbits and an old man, all with their packs on. So like, who knows? Fair. No ponies to help them. No ponies. Where's Bill when you need him? Oh my god. When they um, came to the arch, Gandalf went through the... I yeah. don't know what part I just turned to. You're... I just say, I just see, there is there is some new devilry here. And I'm like, I like it. Yes, yeah. So they start to cross the bridge, and they're being pursued by orcs, and something else, presumably, with the source of the drums. And uh, Legolas turns around to, to shoot, even though it's a long way. And um, mm -hmm. he finally recognizes what this thing is, which is a Balrog. Um and he's so frightened of it that he drops his arrow uh, and he, like, cries out. Um, so I, I actually do really love this description here of the approach of the Balrog. 
Two great trolls appeared. They bore great slabs of stone and flung them down to serve as gangways over the fire. But it was not the trolls that had filled the elf with terror. The ranks of the orcs had opened, and they crowded away as if they themselves were afraid. Something was coming up behind them. What it was could not be seen. It was like a great shadow, in the middle of which was a dark form. Of man shape, maybe, yet greater. And a power and terror seemed to be in it and to go before it. Like, holy shit. That is a great description. Like, it really drives home, like, this ain't, this ain't no orc. This is something else. Like, this was terrifying for me to read as a kid, like, even having already seen the movie, because... Okay, so here's a fun fact about me, Kayla. Aaron already knows mm-hmm. this about me. I was a fern gully bitch. And oh, me too. Hexus, <laughs> like, I've been very ecologically minded my whole life because of fucking Hexus from that movie. And this description really that feels thing like me that. the fuck out as a kid. Yeah, like a big, roiling, Isn't black, that thing fiery... played by Tim Curry? Sure is. I was like him and the Rat King from Barbie and the Nutcracker. Yes. <laughs> what a deep cut. Oh, love that movie though. Also. And then also and then there's fucking Nigel Thornberry. I'm like all these all these characters are the same man. He's got he's got range, Kayla. He's got range. What a legacy. Um but yes, so um Legolas recognizes it as a Balrog and then Gimli recognizes it. He says Durin's Bane. Uh Basically, Didn't that come up earlier? Yes. So Durin okay. is like the founder of Moria and he had eventually, they basically had the whole, the the dwarves were greedy and they delved too deep and unleashed a horror, but they didn't specify what the horror was. It was this thing. Durin's big. Yeah. There's just a lot to take in. There's just been, there's just been so much in the. In a, They're in like, a oh, it's the shortest chapter. Pages. And I'm like, there's a lot of fucking nonsense going on. It's not- yes. I love that right after that point, you know, that, that Legolas has seen something that, like, shakes him to his core, makes him cry out. You know, Gimli stares with wide eyes, Durin's bane, you know, letting his axe fall. He covered his face. And Gandalf just mutters to himself and leans on his staff like, ugh, god damn it. Like, I'm, I'm already, already tired. <laughs> yeah. So now and he tells everybody, get the fuck out of there. And yeah. Aragorn and Boromir were like, they get everybody across there. and then they're like, no, you can't do this alone. We're helping. And he's like, no, no, fuck you. And breaks the bridge. Yeah. I remember but. this scene. I remember being at Austin's house watching this part. Nice. I so made it the to this part of the movie. <laughs> it's pretty iconic it sticks with you it yeah. does um that's something that i thought was really interesting um and once again i i'm still trying to feel out like how much of the difference between film and the original writing i can really call out here because i don't want to spoil it for kayla but i love how i would just say how it's written here in the book it mm-hmm. makes it seem like gandalf does this is as a response to aragon in boromir running to aragorn Aaron. That's what I said. Oh, did I say Aragon? You did. We <laughs> had this That's conversation tr- with Kayla. That's so funny. Um, I meant Aragorn. Sorry. It's okay. That Aragorn and Boromir say, like, we're coming to your aid. And Gandalf, like, doesn't even say anything. He's just like, no, nah, you're fuck this. not. Yeah. No, you're not. I'm going to break the bridge. Well, and, and that speaks a little bit to how dangerous this foe is. Gandalf's like, it is better for me to sacrifice myself 
than for you to try and save me against this thing. Also, when he smites the bridge to break it, his staff breaks. Mm-hmm. His staff breaks into Yeah. Two. Yes. It destroyed. Yeah, the staff is destroyed. You're just like, he he's willing to, the cost is worthy of what he's trying to go up against. Yes. And so the way that the Balrog... It, the bridge breaks under its weight and it starts to fall in this chasm, but it has this whip of fire and it like whoosh, and snags Gandalf so that they're both falling. Yeah, sorry, I'm reading. I was reading that section. I was I was entranced. Well, here's the thing. Okay, so for we've talked a because lot. it's good writing. It's good writing right here. We've I'm talked sorry. a it's- lot about how Tolkien. Mm-hmm. is verbose and he likes to linger and describe and etc but this chapter kayla you do it you do it okay the part where the balrog falls into the oh thing. i'll uh, actually my okay. part is before that so i will read okay. that really no, quick no, no, you're good. so Go for it. Uh, he has in this chapter i think the best use of just single sentence paragraphs which is very uncommon for him to do but he has yes. this paragraph where he's talking about the Balrog stepping towards Gandalf and how Gandalf looks gray and bent next to it. And then he has two sentences, both their own paragraph from out What's of the shadow. What's glandering again? Sorry. That's Gandalf's sword. Also, That's right. Sorry. Okay. So Sorry. it's from out of the shadow, a red sword leaped flaming. Glamdring answer, glittered white in answer. And those two sentences just like back to back in the middle of all this action. And I don't know. I just really like the impact of how they fall there. Uh, and, and Gandalf saying "you cannot pass" is its own paragraph sentence as well later down the page. But Kayla, you want to describe the Balrog falling because it is really evocative. Yeah, give me one second. With a terrible cry, the Balrog fell forward, and its shadow plunged down and vanished. But even as it fell, it swung its whip, and the thongs lashed and curled around the wizard's knee, dragging him to the brink. He staggered and fell, grasped vainly at the stone, and slid into the abyss. Fly, you fools, he cried, and was gone. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, Aragorn wastes no time being like, well, I, I'll lead you guys now. Let's go. Can we also talk about how that's an odd place for a paragraph break? I like, like, Tolkien seems to do this a lot, but there's like a full like white line, and then the fires went out and black blank darkness felt like i don't think i would have chosen to give a full page break right there but what well, that's how it's formatted in my in my copy uh i mean it's the start of the next page in mine so that might be why yep that might be yep, why. same here it's it's on the next page for me but uh is it page 330 in your book 323 323 for me as well haha Ah, different editions. No wonder my text is so small in this book. It's like half the size of the... Aaron has my beat-up <laughs> copy this week, and I'm using yeah, my I really do. fancy like collector's copy, but it's like half the size of his book, and the text is tiny, and I feel like I'm reading the Bible again. It yes. is also for the listeners, in my book. Ha-ha! And for the listeners who probably aren't as... that will never see this, uh, I am holding a copy of Oh, no, of they've the seen it because we have pictures oh, have they? Uh, on our oh, Instagram of our copies. This thing has been well-loved. It, uh, mine is in pristine condition. Yes. Audrey Kayla- is, yes. Well, I, it, for four, it's four years old. I mean. Here, here. Everybody hold up your, hold up your additions. I will take a, a screenshot here. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, okay. 
So, I mean, that brings us basically to the end of the chapter. Like, they keep running. The the drums are still saying doom, doom, doom. And to them, it sounds mournful now. Uh, what a great bit of onomatopoeia, by the way. Right. And you mentioned earlier the drum beats uh, being something that were very consistent all through. Something that I observed, and, and, you know, I only read this chapter, so I can't speak to, you know, that common thread all the mm-hmm. way through the Minds of Moria. But there was a design choice. Kayla, you mentioned that page break. Afterwards, after the call out of come, I will lead you now, there is no other dialogue for the rest of the chapter. It is all description. And that's a choice that I think does the moment a lot of justice that um, rather than you rather than hearing what these characters are crying or saying it just describes that they did not halt until they were out of bowshot from the walls dimeril dale lay about them the shadow of the misty mountains lay upon it but eastwards there was a golden light on the land it was but one hour afternoon the sun was shining the clouds were white and high that's such a beautiful description what a a contrast too to the horrors that they just came through Followed immediately by they looked back, dark yawned the archway of the gates under the mountain shadow. Faint and far beneath the earth rolled the slow drum beats. Doom, a thin black smoke, trailed out. Nothing else was to be seen. A dale all around was empty. Doom. And it just really drives that home, right? Like, no dialogue needed. You, it's just such a beautiful juxtaposition. It's it's just really, it's really cool. It's a lot of action. I feel like you really spoiled me by letting me uh, join you for this chapter specifically. It's a you good come one. Back. We still got three more books to go. I mean, here's the thing. So we have, um, we have only a few more chapters in this book. I think four or five uh, more in this book to read. And mm-hmm. Gandalf's, uh, Gandalf's fall is like, I don't want to say it's the climax of the story, but it Spark is. Spark Notes would disagree with you. But it is <laughs> the trigger for the third act of the story. Uh, everything from here on out is just going to be a continuous build. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm looking at this from like a fan, like your your typical fantasy like series setup. Even though this is like Audrey and I've talked about this in the past, where. I have definitely formed the opinion that this is the, like, original modern fantasy novel. Yeah. Series. Yeah. Yes, you would agree with this. It's understandable. Yeah. Yeah. So, I feel like when you get into series like Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, I'm not going to throw Aragon in here just because it's a copy-paste, but, like, Game of Thrones, all of these big, like, multi-million dollar, billion dollar franchises, when you're reading the books that they come out of, there's always a, a, a spot in the book where the story is very much over for whatever the titular story is and the setup, like the, the foundation work for the next part of the series is coming. And I definitely like, I wouldn't call it the climax necessarily, but the fellowship has effectively ended. If we go back to a previous episode where I made some predictions about, we were going to lose one of our members or some of our members of the, um, and I, I think that that's a good way to, put it that like the fellowship has effectively ended with the disappearance of Gandalf so like it, it's not the same as it was when it started out yeah. and the rest of the book um, like I said it it tick, it kicks off the third act and there are going to be ripples of Gandalf falling basically and how that's impacting the rest yeah. of the fellowship I'm gonna I'm gonna 
chase this rabbit for a second here, yeah. but like this is going to be our second Goblet of Fire reference for this entire episode. All right, here but we go. Specifically, the book, the specifically the novel Goblet of Fire, um, because in the movie it's a very rushed segment of time after Harry comes back after Cedric dies, and it's just like mm-hmm. everybody's reeling from the rise of Voldemort and everything. What what all this means? But there's a scene where they're in the hospital wing with Harry and like Ron's family comes busting in. Everybody's in chaos and Dumbledore's like firing off orders that people like go talk to this person and go get this person. And this person needs to know what happened. He's very much laying the groundwork for the order of the Phoenix in that one chapter. And and in that one conversation, because he's, if you read order of the Phoenix, like once you get past, Harry being sad and lying in the dirt by himself. <laughs> and you get to what's actually happening. You get to the good part of the yeah. fifth book. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, I could talk forever about how um, the publisher was really up J.K. Rowling's ass and her editors were up her ass for books one through four, but five through seven, she was left to her own devices a lot more. And that's why Order but of the Phoenix is... But that's not what this is, podcast is I about. Know. That's why <laughs> Order of the Phoenix is ridiculously long. But anyways... And, <laughs> Last Harry Potter comment, she does the same thing at the end of the sixth book right after Dumbledore's funeral. Like, yeah, where no, Harry, that's totally fair. The very last chapter of the very last chapter of Half-Blood Prince is very Harry's like, I'm not coming back to Hogwarts. Like, I've like this phase of my life is done. I've got more important things to be doing right now. And you know, every fantasy series has a moment or moments like that in the book, specifically talking to the writing of books where there's that one moment of something like you can't turn back from happening. And I feel like when they come busting out of the mountain, not necessarily when Gandalf dies, but when they come busting out of that cave and that sun hits their face and they're just sitting there, like all they can hear. Grief think at about. last wholly overcame them and they wept long. Some standing in silent, some cast upon the ground. Doom, doom, the drum beats faded describes exactly what you're getting at. yes i was like those are the final words of the chapter i'm like i'm gonna go around my elbow to get to my nose to make this point but like yeah that's that's where the fellowship of the ring effectively ends for me yeah Yeah. so uh that's my big prediction for this chapter i was gonna say so do you have uh do you have any more predictions any specific Um, predictions i think so i mean since we've had this pattern of like shit goes down and then we rest with the elves or in nature somewhere, that's probably going to happen in this next chapter. And I know Gollum's following them. He's got to be following them. You made that prediction them. earlier I know. On. <laughs> it's still in. Okay, well, th- these were my notes for this chapter. That's all of them. Kayla's okay. holding up a, note, a notebook one here page. on screen. It is one page <laughs> of like a five by eight sheet of paper. So, yeah, I'd ruled in case anybody cares. But I mean, I mean, that brings us to the end of the chapter. Kayla's got Kayla's got uh, her predictions on uh, the broad strokes of where the story is headed. And we will see on the next episode. But for now, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. If you no, uh, thank you so much. If you want people to be able to find you on the Internet, you can let them know where that would be. Yeah, absolutely. So I just kind of linger around. Uh, you'll probably hear me on some of other projects that Audrey works on. But uh, yeah, my handle is NanoBoozed. I don't really stream anywhere too much now, now and then. Not really much on social media, but uh, if you're if you're around in the community, uh, we might cross paths again. Thanks for having me on. 
Yeah, thanks so much. Kayla, what have you been up to? What do you want uh, the listeners to know? Same same shit, different day. Um, <laughs> I have a history podcast I'm working on right now. Um, I know the last episode I said it was going to be Queen Charlotte was going to be the next episode out of the Broad Chronicles. That's the name of the hit. It's a women's history podcast. Um, it's actually Jaquetta of Luxembourg. So if you have no idea who that is, just a I don't. great grandmother of Henry VIII. Hmm. Okay. That was my through, second guess. Through his mother's line. Um, interesting lady. It, that's the next episode coming out. Um, Charlotte will be the one after that. And then I run all of by all, all of the podcast social media. So if you want to find me on the internet, look for the Broad Chronicles, look for Mordor She Wrote. Um, yeah. The other passion project right now, just like my entertainment. So I'm going on vacation with my family this week, which means like there will be lots of angsty messages about how I'm I sure. I, you know. <laughs> As family I vacations it. go. <laughs> I'll leave my personal business aside, but I decided to write a screenplay about what a holiday is like with my family from a completely fictional point of view. Um, there were air quotes there for anybody. <laughs> but that's what's going on in my world. I think that's something a lot of us can relate to. Yeah. Yeah. So our social media for Mordor She Wrote is Mordor underscore She Wrote. That is TikTok, Instagram, and thre- we have a Threads account. There's 33 followers. That is more than we have on TikTok right now. Sure. Hey, there you go. The future is now. Instagram's yep. the place that we are most active. TikTok, also decent. Yep. Uh, everywhere else, we're Mordor She Wrote, you know? Yeah. Oh, and if you want to email the show, um, Mortar She Wrote Podcast at gmail.com. Is that it? Yep. 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 Audrey, if you want to tell interested people about in... your projects? Oh, gosh, I'll keep it super brief. So uh, I host another podcast called Alone at the Table. I play solo RPGs, and I invite listeners to come along for the experience. That's part of the Moonshot Podcast Network, and you can find my podcast and all of the other Moonshot shows at moonshotpods.com or goodfuckingshows.com. All right, everybody, um, may the star shine on the end of your road. (laughs) 